0: Are you ready? I'm so ready. Are you ready? I feel like that's a song, but I can't think of any Um, other words.
1: I mean, I know there's one on Nightmare Before Christmas, but it doesn't exactly go like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that what I just sang is anything.
2: It is now. (laughs)
0: Um, Hello, guys. This is the Witches Magic Murder and Mystery Podcast. And I am Kara. And I am Megan. And if we sound a little different, that's because we are recording remotely. It's Friday and I have a story. So exciting. It's wild too. So someone actually had emailed this one to us forever ago. And I finally, in trying to come up with whatever I was going to talk about today, I was like looking and looking and looking. That's kind of how it works. You guys, you guys send us stories and we don't cover them in order. We just sort of cover them as we get in the mood for certain things. Exactly. It's Mary that sent us this one. Mary, who on TikTok tagged me in just the greatest videos. Um, oh, gotcha. She emailed us and all she said in the email was all capital letters, Paula Jean Weldon. And then she <laughs> said, seriously, y'all need to cover this one. I've had this on my mind for over a year now.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. And
0: she sent that email to us over a year ago (laughs) so now it's been two years say now
2: you've got it on your mind for two years hopefully we just refresh your memory
0: yes it's one of these things that when I started looking into it I just googled her name and it led to so much more and so we're going to talk about it today
2: okay a little rabbit hole
0: okay These days, Glastonbury is a ghost town located inside Bennington County, Vermont, but it wasn't always that way. Back in 1761, a man named Benning Wentworth drew the boundaries of the new town on a map, even though he'd never even been there. He just looked at a map and was like, this looks good. Here's what we're doing. That reminds me real quick aside. You know, the Donner Party.
2: Oh, God, yeah.
0: Okay. I did not know this until I listened to a podcast about it. It was that Stuff You Should Know podcast that I Uh mention all the time to you guys. So the Donner Party, they were looking at their route that they were going to take to get to California. And, you know, it was back in the whole covered wagon time. that it Mm -hmm. took like several weeks to get across the country. And there was this thing called the Hastings Cutoff. And it was this man. His name was Lansford Hastings. And he had said, he was like, listen, if you just pass through this way, You can cut off two weeks from your trip. They called it the Hastings Cutoff, and it was supposed to be a shortcut. The thing is, Hastings had never actually tried this route. He just looked at a map and said, look, that should work. This sounds great, guys. Take this. It was a terrible shortcut, and it is part of the reason why the Donner Party got stranded and ended up, you know, (laughs) allegedly eating each other. Yeah. Oh, my God. All because this guy was like, here's a good shortcut, even though he'd never tried it.
2: He just made a, a pretend map and said I like it.
0: Yeah, so Jesus. In similar fashions, in, <laughs> <That's not good. laughs> in similar fashion, in similar fashion, Benning Wentworth here, he maybe should have taken a look at the area that he was designating for this town,
2: right? Or maybe even traveled it a little.
0: Yeah, because the land was really tough. It was densely wooded and mountainous. Okay. Native Americans refused to set foot on Glastonbury Mountain. The region was home to the Abenaki tribe, which is part okay. of the Algonquin Nation. They believed that their god lived at the top of the mountain and they would bury their dead at the bottom. But they wouldn't oh. set foot on the mountain itself. They believed that it was cursed. And the reason they thought this was because the four winds met there and were in an eternal struggle. So yes. the four winds from each direction seemed to meet at the mountain's peak. And they often change direction without warning. And I feel like some people would h- read that or hear that and immediately just write it off as folklore or uneducated or something. But if anyone knows what? the area, it would be the Native Americans. Right, exactly. Another thing the Native Americans in the area believed is that there was an enchanted stone on top of the mountain that could swallow a person whole. <gasps> what? A person would stand on the rock to look out over the region and they would suddenly be swallowed up whole, never to be heard from again. It was just a troll. In the 1800s, Glastonbury boasted a small charcoal-making industry and a logging railroad operation, a post office, a school, and several small houses. The population peaked in 1880 at 241 people, but then the mining and logging industries collapsed, and so the population started to decline. Just a quick aside, in 1867, a man known as the Wild Man of Glastonbury lived in a cave around there. And according to reports, he would go into town and harass women. He wore a ratty coat, which he would open up to reveal his (laughs) naked body.
2: Stop it.
0: I don't think he has anything to do with this story, period. I just wanted to tell you about him. I just wanted you to know that he exists. This
2: cringy man from a cave.
0: Even in 1867. Oh, my God. Like I said, the population started to decline. Okay. And another thing that possibly aided in the swift decline of the population were two murders that occurred. The first was in 1892. A sawmill worker named Henry McDowell got drunk and bludgeoned a co worker to death with a rock. Oh. He said that he'd heard voices telling him to do it. Stop. He was sent to an insane asylum, but then he escaped and was never seen again.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. oh no.
0: The second murder happened five years later in 1897. A man named John Harbour went hunting and he didn't come back. And when they found his body, he'd been shot. His fully loaded gun was found next to him and he seemed to have been dragged several yards. Oh, no. His murder remains unsolved. And at this point, seems like it won't be. (laughs) It's
2: probably not going to get there.
0: It's a very cold case. Okay, so in 1894, since the logging and mining industries were going under, they tried to turn Glastonbury into a tourist destination. With hotels and casinos. And the railroad was fitted with...
2: let's take advantage of this.
0: Yeah, they're like, we have this town here. People want to come to the mountains. They had like fancy trolley cars made for the railroad. And it was open for one season. And then in 1897, a huge flood destroyed most of the railway. Aided by the soil erosion that was caused by all the logging. So at that point, everybody just gave up. People Um, are just like, no, we don't want to do this anymore. This place isn't happening. So the residents left quickly. And by 1937, the town was officially unincorporated due to its extremely small population. Gotcha. As of 2018, there were only eight people living there. And I want to know why. I want to be like, like, who are you? And what is
2: keeping them there? (laughs) Why
0: are you here? I mean, maybe they're just like, you know how me and you are like, we want to go live in the woods like Baba Yaga. (laughs) Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe. Okay, so today the greater Glastonbury area is mostly untouched, pristine wilderness, and is considered remote even by Vermont standards. Oh. The area of southwestern Vermont where Glastonbury is has been dubbed the Bennington Triangle, which is a nod to the Bermuda Triangle. Right. Paranormal Arthur, nope. Paranormal yeah, Arthur. <laughs> His name is not Arthur. <laughs> Paranormal author Joseph A. Citro is the one who started calling it the Bennington Triangle in 1992. Wait, okay. The Bennington Triangle centers around Glastonbury Mountain and the Green Mountain National Forest, including the towns surrounding it like Bennington, Woodford, Shaftesbury, and Somerset. There have been as many as 40 disappearances in the area throughout the years. Oh. The majority on or near Glastonbury Mountain. No, Thanks. But there's a string of disappearances that took place in the 40s that is usually what gets talked about most. And that's what I'm going to tell you about today. Okay. So we're going to start in November 12th, 1945. There's a local hunting guide, 74-year-old Middy Rivers. Ooh. What do you think Middy is short for? Medieval.
2: It's <laughs> my baby medieval <laughs> Middleton
0: Maybe he was just like the middle child You know, so everybody's like, who cares what his name is <laughs> He's a middle, we'll call him Mitty. Middy So Mitty Rivers led a group of four hunters Up the mountains near Bennington, Vermont Middy was an experienced hiker I mean, he was a hunting guide So he knew this area, he'd been on the trail several times On the way back He kind of got ahead of the group At a spot called Hell Hollow Brook Oh, Mindy, don't go in there. No. And the next thing they know, Mitty has disappeared. And of course, he's like their guide. So they're like, oh, what do we do? Where is he? What's going on? There was an extensive search. More than 300 firemen, local volunteers, and members of the army searched. That's more people than what lived there before. No kidding. They searched for him for over a month. And in all that searching, they only found one single piece of evidence. Please tell me it was his shoe. It's a single rifle cartridge. Oh. It was found in a stream. And so they speculated that maybe Mitty had it in his pocket and he like leaned over to get some a drink of water oh. and it fell out of his pocket. And I assume that there is some way that they know that that rifle cartridge was his. I um, guess. Because I never saw anything that doubted it. I just wonder how they even know that belonged to him. But anyway, that's it. That's all they found. Huh. No other sign of Mitty, no struggle. No trace of clothing, no equipment, just this one single rifle cartridge. And he was never seen again. The following year, on December 1st, 1946, 18-year-old Paula Jean Weldon, who Mary has emailed us about and been obsessed with for two years now. Paula Jean was a sophomore at Bennington College there in Vermont, and she decided to go for a hike. Oh, no. Headed toward the mountains. She's no. wearing jeans, white sneakers, and a red coat. No. It was 50 degrees when she headed out. So she was dressed appropriately for that. But right. the temperature dropped dramatically that night. It was mm-hmm. nine degrees by the next morning. What? I know. So she wasn't dressed for a particularly long outing, especially not in that kind of weather. So anyway, like I said, she's got this red coat on, which makes her easy to spot. Okay. And several people saw her. They saw her walking towards the woods. One guy reported picking her up and driving her as far as he went toward the woods. So where he dropped her off was about three miles from the trail that she wanted to hike. At around four, another guy and his friends talked to her. She'd asked him about the trail and he saw her head toward a bridge that led to the trail. And then an elderly couple reported seeing her on the trail itself. She was like 100 yards ahead of them. That's 91 meters, Rachel. I'm calling all of our overseas listeners, Rachel, now. So that couple said that she turned a corner. And then when they got to that same corner, she was gone. There was no No, sign of her. No.
2: So like... Did Mitty come escort her as
0: her (laughs) guide? Like, what? The thing is, I mean, she was a hundred yards ahead of them. So I think in that moment, they didn't exactly know that anything had gone wrong. They just noticed that she wasn't there, but she could have been anywhere, right? Right. So it wasn't until... She didn't go back to her dorm that night. And by the next morning, when she's still not back, her roommate is like, "Okay, something's wrong.
2: Yeah. Like, what the heck?
0: Right. And that's when those the elderly couple is like, oh, we saw her and this is the last place we saw her.
2: Oh, God.
0: So Monday morning, the roommate alerts the campus authorities that Paula's still gone. Paula's father was alerted immediately and a huge search effort began. Okay, There was a five thousand dollar reward offered. The FBI what? came in, more than a thousand people showed up to help search. And that search even included five aircraft and like a hundred men from the state guard. Oh, So wow. a lot of people. Yeah. In the meantime, people start reporting sightings. There's a local cab driver who said he, he had taken someone who resembled Paula to a bus station Sunday afternoon. Okay. But then none of the clerks at the bus station recognized her photo.
2: Gotcha.
0: A waitress at a local diner said that she served a girl matching Paula's description Sunday night. She said the girl was with a guy who seemed drunk, and she'd even asked the waitress for directions to Bennington. Hmm. There were more reported sightings of her in the woods from Sunday, too. And finally, police decided that there had been two women in the woods that day. One was Paula, and the other one was someone who resembled Paula, oh. but was a little bit taller. Okay. Um, so, this led to a lot of confusion about what sightings were actually her. Gotcha. Oh, no. Yeah. So, by Wednesday night, the college issued a statement saying that authorities suspected foul play and that they believed Ooh. Paula's body had been hidden. So, they just went straight for, like, she's not she's run away. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody did. Something. Jeez. So, more searchers joined the effort. A faculty member spotted footprints that might have been made by sneakers. So, okay. might have been Paula. Okay. But aside from that, they found nothing. Zero trace of her. Just like with Mitty, there's just nothing. Right. People started saying maybe she'd moved to Canada with a boyfriend, which is stupid. Right. <laughs> or that she decided to become a recluse and live in the mountains, which is also stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's in um, college. I don't think that's going to be her. Right. Choice. Why would she do that? So on December 15th, the search stopped. Paula's dad organized a two-day search the following May after all the snow had melted. But again, okay. they found no trace of her. Really? Yeah. So one of the main criticisms many had about her case was that there was a lack of statewide law enforcement organization. Uh So the Vermont governor had to ask for help from the Connecticut State Police because Vermont did not have a state police force. Oh, okay. The sheriffs in Vermont didn't want it because they didn't want anybody to infringe upon their power. (laughs) State legislature was like, we don't want to spend the money anyway. Oh, of course. But then Paula's dad is like, this whole search was super disorganized and the investigation was really poorly run because there's just no cohesive unit. That sucks. So seven months after Paula's disappearance, the Vermont legislature created the Vermont State Police. So her disappearance directly led to the creation of the state police. So Paula Jean is like the most famous case of the ones I'm telling you about. Uh Uh-huh. But this next one that I have for you is the one that I am just like, why don't people talk about this more? This is insane. Wait until you hear this. Okay. Okay. Exactly three years to the day that Paula Jean Weldon disappeared. On December 1st, 1949, 68-year-old James E. Tedford got on a bus in St. Albans, Vermont. James was a veteran, and he lived in Bennington at the Bennington Soldiers' Home, which is basically a retirement home. But he had traveled to Franklin to visit family, and then his relatives went with him to the bus stop in St. Albans. He got on the bus there to head back to Bennington. It's like an eight-hour bus ride, but there was also some really bad snow, which made it be even longer. Okay, Okay? yeah. There's lots of people on the bus. Several eyewitnesses saw James on the bus saying that he'd been asleep for most of the ride. Among those eyewitnesses was the bus driver, who confirmed that James had been in his seat at the last stop before Bennington. Okay. When the bus arrived in Bennington, James' belongings were on the luggage rack. There was a bus schedule in his seat that he'd been looking at, and James was gone. Huh. Somewhere between the last stop and Bennington. Did anybody check
2: to see if he had a cloak of invisibility on?
0: (laughs) I don't know. So if we believe the 14 passengers who confirmed that he did not get off the bus before Bennington. Right. Then James Tedford disappeared from his seat inside the moving bus as it traveled down Route 7 through the Green Mountain National Forest. That's terrifying. Right? Spontaneous combustion. Alternate dimension. Exactly. I, when I was, I mean, in elementary school, I found a book at the library that was like, people who've disappeared or something like that. Oh, yeah. And reading about the possibility that someone could slip into an alternate dimension gave me a very weird fear. Of that being <laughs> of a much being, more like, common thing that you're going to fall into, <laughs> like I'm accidentally going to be like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> Oops! Thank goodness Listening I didn't have
2: another it. one.
0: Yep, it's like alternate dimensions and quicksand were the two yes. biggest fears I had as a child that oh God, were completely God. unnecessary.
2: They may not be. You haven't lived your full life yet. You know
0: <laughs> Okay, so here's a weird sidebar. Okay, I'm full of sidebars for this whole thing. I love it. Yes. So several years earlier. James had been married to a woman named Pearl. I've mentioned to you, right, that my parents almost named me Pearl? Yes. Mm-hmm. I like to bring that up every time I can. I love okay. it. Okay. When he returned from World War II, Pearl had disappeared. Oh, the property they'd rented had been abandoned. There was no trace of her. And his family was like, we have no idea where she is. The last time we saw her, she was going to the store, and then we never saw her again. <laughs> she went for milk. Yeah. Now, she was literally half his age, so oh. maybe she just left him. Right. Or it's like a Reba McIntyre, like fancy situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, it's weird. So back to Bennington, Vermont. Okay. A year later, on October 12th, 1950, Mm -hmm. eight-year-old Paul Jepson was in his mom's red pickup truck. He had been riding with her and she left him alone in the cab of the truck while she went to either feed or move some pigs at the dump where she and her husband worked. I'm not sure because different news articles said different things but she's doing something with the pigs with some pigs she was gone anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour oh wow i don't know anything about feeding pigs but that seems like a long time don't you think it really does seem
2: like quite a bit of time maybe
0: she had to park far away maybe
2: she had to chop some bodies up and feed it to the pigs
0: well (laughs) Uh actually (laughs) uh oh maybe so oh when she got back to the truck paul was gone uh-oh. So his mom was the last person to see him there in the cab of the truck wearing a red coat. Okay. Hundreds of people came together to search for him. And at this point, I'm like, it must be the same people. This is happening every year. And everybody's just like, what the heck is happening? Oh, it's time to have another search party. Like, wouldn't that be Everybody really weird? Around. It's like a big family
2: reunion.
0: It'd be so eerie. Yeah. Like someone else is gone. Yep. So anyway, a bloodhound is brought in and it tracked Paul's scent to a local highway, but then it lost the scent there at the crossroads. Okay. And Paul's dad told a local newspaper that he thought, quote, the lure of the mountains had pulled him in. He said that Paul had talked and talked about going to the mountains in the days before he disappeared. And the trail that the bloodhound traced led in the general direction of Glastonbury Mountain. So one theory is that he hopped out of the truck to go toward the mountain and then he got... Picked up by somebody driving by. Okay. But it just seems like he just happened to be walking along the road at the exact time that someone who would be a kidnapper would be driving by. Like it's such a chance right. thing. Right. It's like the Maura Murray case, right? Like, yeah. So many awful things have to happen at once for this right, to exactly. be. Yeah. But also because of Maura Murray, I believe that it can happen. Oh, but for like, sure. so that's one theory is that he just got picked up by a kidnapper. Well, yeah. A woman did come forward and say that she had seen a boy matching Paul's description walking along the road toward the Vermont state line. But Paul's dad didn't think that her description sounded right. And finally, police were like, that's not that wasn't him.
2: How Like, how remote was this dump? Like, could somebody have just
0: snatched him out of the car? Well, but the bloodhounds traced his scent to the road. Oh yes. So he walked to the road. That's the theory. Although I guess they still if they had picked him up, they would still trace him. Right. right. Like, you
2: would think yeah. so.
0: And then maybe got in a car. Yeah. So there's also a theory that Paul's parents had killed him. And I'm sorry about this, but fed his body to the fix. (sighs) I did see a newspaper article that mentioned Paul's dad had sort of a rift with the police saying, I don't want you to question my wife again unless I'm there. Oh, shoot. Which is a little weird. Yeah, that's strange. A sergeant described uh, Mr. Jepson as being indignant. That's the quote that his wife had been questioned alone when the boy disappeared. So I feel like that's one of those things that could mean nothing or it could mean right. something like it could just be that he it's like really upsetting and he doesn't want her right. to, have to go like, through that
2: stress her out even more than she already right. is. Yeah.
0: Or it could be that he's like, I need to control everything. She says Exactly.
2: like, she doesn't so. need to say anything to you without me present. Right. Well, you would think if that was the case, he'd be like, no, she can't, you know, go through our
0: lawyer. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the 50s or the 40s. I don't know. True, true. true. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all Mm -hmm. over again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo. Uh T-Y-M-O. Using the code WMM30. So that's just 2M. So you guys know our codes usually have 3. So just keep that in mind.
1: So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first
0: purchase. Goodbye.
3: Goodbye. Menopausal and paramenopausal women, listen up. It's time to take control of your health and comfort and Winona is here to help. Winona is a telemedicine company for menopause care who believes that your symptoms are real, important, and deserve to be taken seriously. And for many women, this starts with hormone replacement therapy. Winona's HRT is made with plant-based, bioidentical hormones rather than synthetic ones. So it better aligns with your body to offer relief from hot flashes, weight gain, and other uncomfortable symptoms. 80% of women who use Winona find relief within just 90 days. So, what are you waiting for? Get started today. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use code SPRING24 at com for twenty-five percent off your first treatment plan. That's B Y W I N O N A dot com for twenty-five percent off. Winona. Menopause care made easy. I tried to
0: find more info on like his parents because of the whole thing where people were like, Well, maybe they killed him, and I was like, Well I mean, why? Like, is that something people are saying because they have a reason to or just right. whatever? So I found a few newspaper clippings, but I couldn't find anything more than what I already told you. Okay. But in one of the newspaper articles about searching for Paul, <laughs> uh-huh. there was a note that was like, and another little boy who'd gone missing after a scolding from his mom was found yesterday. That's like King Curtis
2: running away to his grandparents' house to eat an abundance of chicken nuggets. Yeah.
0: It was like this little 11-year-old boy who'd gotten in trouble, so he'd ran away. And the article said he left home with an air gun, an army blanket, a change of clothes, and six donuts. <laughs> oh, wow. Six donuts. Sweet little thing. Honey, go home. Baby. Speaking of old newspaper articles. Okay. There was one headline that said, Vermont aroused by people lost in the woods. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, people talked differently.
2: And different right. words yeah. are
0: used more commonly now, but like "aroused" just seems like such a strange wow. word to use in that sentence. Vermont it just, was aroused. Does not sound appropriate. <laughs> no. <laughs> On that topic, let me give you one more sidebar because oh, it's real good. Where I grew up, the newspaper there, there is a guy who was kind of he just liked to stir the pot a little bit, and he I would write it. these really annoyed. He was always mad about something. Oh and he God, would write letters amazing. to the editor, right? Oh my God. That's he used amazing. the letters to the editor as if it were Facebook. Oh so, my God, so whatever he was mad about, you know, I, I got to the point that like when I would go to my parents' house, I would always go straight to the paper and look because I just needed to know what ridiculous so thing he was great. mad about now. Oh, And God. I can't remember what it was that he was mad about, but he had quoted someone. And in the letter to the editor, he quotes what the guy said, but instead of saying the word said, he used the word ejaculated. Huh? He substituted said, which is a perfectly normal word. Normal. Yep. Uh-huh. And said ejaculated and said. And I was like, that was Why? such a purposeful choice. Like he's trying to upset people.
2: <laughs> exactly. You. Uh,
0: I mean, you can say said or shouted or explained. whatever. Yeah. But you said ejaculated. Mm, sir. Sir. Okay. Kara, I really need you to stop getting off topic. Okay, <laughs> I'm
2: so sorry, so sorry, so <laughs> sorry. Uh,
0: okay, the next one. Sixteen days after Paul Jepsen disappeared, 53 year old Frida Langer and her cousin Herbert Elsner, Herbert, were camping with family near the Somerset Reservoir, which is there around the mountain. Okay. It was October 28th, 1950, and they decided to go for a hike. So while they're hiking, Frida slips and falls into a stream. Oh no. And she's like, Herbert, you wait here. I'm going to run back and change clothes real quick. That way she won't be wet anymore. And then I'll okay. come back and we can keep hiking. And he's like, sweet.
2: So, Sounds great. I'm going to let you wander the woods back to the vehicle by yourself. Totally fine. And, totally yeah. cool, 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 cool. Love this plan.
0: So she turns back to go to the campsite and he never sees her again. Oh, after a while, Herbert's like, I don't know where she is. And he goes back to the campsite. And the rest of the family's like, no, we haven't seen her. She hasn't been back here at all. Oh, geez. So she'd never even made it back there after leaving him. Major searches were conducted over the next two weeks. There were helicopters from the Connecticut Coast Guard and mm-hmm. the U.S. Army and local aircraft from the Vermont Aeronautics Jeez. Commission. Up to 400 searchers, including the Massachusetts National Guard. But nothing was found. What on earth? I know. This one's a little different, though, because they do end up getting some closure on this one. Okay. On May 12th, 1951, so it's about seven months later, Uh Frida's body was found about three and a half miles. That's 5.5 kilometers, Rach, from the campsite. It's in the east branch of the Deerfield River. But they weren't able to determine the cause of death because of the condition of her body. Oh, Some articles said the area had been searched extensively before. So it was weird that she suddenly showed up there. But then other articles were like the area had only been lightly searched. So I don't know what to make of that. So those are the five main disappearances that show up in just about every article that you read about the Bennington Triangle. It's wild. But there are a couple others that show up here and there. So just to briefly mention those. In 1943, so generally they're like, These Bennington Triangle disappearances were from 1945 to 1950. Okay. So this one, maybe that's why it's not usually included, because it's a couple years before. But Carl Herrick was out hunting with his cousin, Henry, northeast of Glastonbury Mountain, when they got separated. After a while, when Henry couldn't find Carl at all, he called the authorities. Now, it took a few days, but they did finally find Carl's body. Oh, okay. Here's the part that I cannot understand. (laughs) Oh, no. An autopsy was performed and they decided that his cause of death was squeezing. His ribs had punctured his lung because he had been squeezed to death. And his gun was laying nearby. I'm thinking like snakes from the jungle book. Right. Me too. So I'm so glad that was your first thought. But hang on. (laughs) So his gun was laying nearby and no bullets had been fired. Okay. Okay. So, just like you, I'm like, death by squeezing. What the crap? So, yeah. The first thing I thought of was a boa constrictor. (laughs) Exactly. A more logical first thought, Kara, would have been a bear. Just so, right? Right. We're in the forest. Well, first off, I did Google to be sure there are no boa constrictors in Vermont. Uh There are some in Florida, however, which is just one reason to not go to Florida. Stray ones, though. Well, there is a thing where like people have had pet boa constrictors right. and they might get loose, but I don't know if that the people in, in the forties and fifties like, like
2: setting goldfish free in the creek when I was little, like I, it's practically it the same thing
0: that goldfish aren't deadly. Hugged somebody to death. I don't know. The other thing is apparently some <laughs> people think that when a bear attacks you, it stands up on its hind legs and grabs you and squeezes you. But that's not true. The bear will stand up on its hind legs, but then it just like strikes you with its front paws. Right. It's just going to
2: beat the shit out of you.
0: So I still, I did quite a bit of Googling and still came up with nothing. Oh. As far as like, how was he squeezed to death? And the thing is, no article I read about this. They just were like, and this cause of death was squeezing and they moved right along. And I'm just like, why is nobody else singing? Somebody
2: tell us more.
0: If you live in Vermont, and death by squeezing is like a common occurrence. Can you just email us? Because this is going to bother me for a long time. Tell us more. I need to understand it. Okay. In 1948, a man reported his wife, 26-year-old Betty Fraser, missing. Apparently, she had been, quote, acting wild. <laughs> oh, man. Betty had gone out to a bar, and she had failed to make it back home on foot. I don't know why she was she traveling gone, on foot. She'd gone wild. I have this. This is totally from my brain and not that I read it anywhere, but I'm like, I uh-huh. wonder if she got in a fight with her husband and took off walking. You know, oh, like, yeah, I'm baby. not even yeah. going to ride with you. I ain't setting foot in that bait. <laughs> that may not be true. Her husband may never have been at the bar with her. I don't know. But a bartender was initially implicated, but he had a solid alibi. And Ooh. she was last spotted by a neighbor who saw her walking unsteadily Ooh. along, yeah poor girl along so highway 30 been wild and this was like in the general direction of bennington and okay. they said it was like she was in a trance and i was oh. like no she's just trying to walk
2: yeah, <laughs> she's, she's had just a really time.
0: focusing on staying in right shoes and walking she's like i'm fine and i guess this neighbor offered her a ride home and she ignored it her body was discovered a month later oh my god 17 miles away Oh. And I don't know how many kilometers that is, Rachel. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but it's a lot, a lot to walk. Down. It's a, yeah, the distance is weird. And her body was found on a forest trail. Mm. The case was closed as death by misadventure. Oh, which doesn't seem like an official cause of death. But okay. no. And people basically were like, because of the distance she traveled and where her body was found, they're like, it seems suspicious, but exactly that's all we got. So we have several instances here of people going missing within a five to seven year period, all in the same area. And then there's a few other things that they have in common, too. It's wild. All the disappearances happened in the last quarter of the year. Okay. And they all happened in the later part of the day or evening. Did anybody look for fairy circles? I saw zero mention of fairy circles. Oh, okay. If we want to get really technical, (laughs) Paula... And Paul were both wearing red jackets. Okay, and also their names sound alike, uh-huh. which probably doesn't mean anything. But
2: no, for sure. At this does. point, I'm
0: just not going to rule mm-hmm. anything out. Yep, there are some people who speculate that a serial killer was working in the area, um, mm. but like they're all different ages and genders and body types, and they're just killing at random. It just seems like an unusual pattern, right? For a serial killer. Not right. saying it can't be,
2: right? Exactly. But still. They, they also take talk serial killing lessons from us,
0: right? <laughs> you do you, okay? <laughs> they also talk about animals in the area, like a Republican lynx, strangers. a bobcat, or a catamount. I'd never uh-huh. heard of a catamount. I'm sorry,
2: a what? It's
0: a wildcat, basically. The lynx and the bobcat are not generally aggressive to humans. Okay. And then there have been no official sightings of the catamount since 1938. Well, sure. Okay. And at this time, it's been declared extinct. So, But Kara, there's one more animal I've got to tell you about. Okay. They call it the Bennington Monster. This story, I mean, I swear, it's like every which way you turn, it's got something new. The first sighting of this creature was back in the stagecoach days of the early 19th century. Amazing. One of the main roads through Green Mountain National Forest had been washed out during a heavy storm, and so a stagecoach was forced to stop. The driver oh, this got out, a lot like beauty and the beast. oh, exactly, exactly. But the beast is different. Okay. Um so the driver gets out and was inspecting the road, and he sees some strange footprints that are just way too big to be human. And that's when a large creature, well over six feet tall, oh. It walked upright. It had glowing eyes and black fur. Okay. It jumped out and rushed the stagecoach. Oh. It knocked the carriage on its side and then fled into the woods with a roar. (laughs) No one was hurt.
2: I'm sorry. It just said, get out of here. So that's obviously Bigfoot, right? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, for sure. He's like, You're in my territory. Get out of here. Get
0: out of here. For what it's worth, remember the Abenaki tribe I talked about at the beginning? Yeah. They also told stories of large, hairy, half man, half animal creatures oh. who lived in the area and threatened those who lived there.
2: Oh, amazing.
0: Right. Still, I feel like if there was any kind of animal involved, we'd see evidence like torn clothes.
2: Well, Bigfoot or, didn't care about that. He, or torn Bigfoot people. I don't, like know.
0: To give hugs.
2: I don't know. Because Bigfoot just casually knocked over a
0: stagecoach and ran off. <laughs> But, like, if he killed a person, where's the, you know, right? the mess that he would leave Maybe behind? it was some
2: other Bigfoots in his territory that act differently than he does. So now he's like, this wasn't me, guys. But Right. The Maybe doing
0: it, the bad he's Bigfoots. a hero, Bigfoot. Yeah. And he went and, like, smacked the stagecoach, like, get out of here. My get friends will come here. get you. And they're not nice.
2: Yeah, yeah you're going to get him to death.
0: okay so there's also talk kara of Mm -hmm. ufos Um, that's it this is it (laughs) back in the days even before the colonial settlements in the area there were reports of strange lights in the sky Uh weird odors on the mountain and then noises with no explanation oh perfect Mm -hmm. still there could be some more logical some might say boring explanations for the disappearances yeah. not necessarily boring but not necessarily supernatural for one while the disappearances are all connected because they all occurred in the same area and uh-huh. sometimes very close together in time that doesn't necessarily mean they're all actually connected right like maybe Paula Jean Weldon was murdered as police right. suspected at the time yeah maybe Paul Jepsen was kidnapped by a passing motorist Maybe James Tedford just got off that bus at an earlier stop and like to pee or something and no one noticed. Right, and they and, like, forgot him. Or the bus driver. Right. And the bus driver didn't want to admit that he'd accidentally left a passenger. So he's like, Oh yeah, right. I totally saw him. Right. But maybe he didn't, you know? Yeah. Or maybe these people just got lost really deep in the woods. In the
2: woods, yeah. And couldn't find their ways back out.
0: The thing that Native Americans said about how all four winds meet at the peak of the mountain. Yeah. That's a real thing. The Glastonbury Mountain has no consistent wind pattern. The Ooh. winds change so erratically that the weather changes suddenly. And the winds also cause plants to grow at odd angles because they're Ooh. just, it's like crosswinds coming from both directions. Yeah. And that can make it difficult for hikers to navigate the mountain. Oh, they get disoriented. Yes. In 2008, there's an experienced hiker named Robert Singley, and he got lost on Glastonbury Mountain, even though he took a trail that he knew really well. Oh. On his way back down, the trail didn't lead where it was supposed to. And he walked like five miles before he was like, I should have been at my car by now. Oh, geez. And then a heavy fog rolled in and it became too dark. And he managed, like, he found a spot by a tree, he started a fire, and he just stayed huddled there by the fire all night. Oh, gosh. And then the morning the fog rolled out and he could see that he was on the other side of the ridge from his car. And so he got out and it was fine. Oh, geez. But it was just shows how, like, easily he knew the trail. He knew the area. Yeah. And he still got disoriented. Oh, man. And in 2015, there's this hiker named Chad Abramovich. Uh He runs a website called Obscure Vermont. And he Uh went on a hike to Glastonbury Mountain with some friends. When they were up there on the mountain, there was a sudden change in the weather. It had been really sunny. But then all of a sudden, there's this like torrential thunderstorm out of nowhere. And they got stranded for a while because it was just raining so hard. And then finally, they escaped the rain. But when they got back down the mountain, everything was sunny and completely dry. Okay. And the people around were like, yeah, there's no thunderstorm. I can't believe that a thunderstorm like what you're describing passed through and we didn't see it. Yeah. But he did say that like freak thunderstorms aren't all that rare in New England. I mean, I've seen that happen here too. Right. His post about his adventure also mentioned that even today, hunters will tell you that because of the disorienting winds, it's very easy to get lost in the woods there. Oh, wow. So if a person got lost and then experienced an extreme weather change... Like the temperatures on the mountain can drop dramatically. Like we know that with Paula Weldon, right? Like it went from the 50 degrees to nine. Right. And all of these disappearances I've talked about happened in the like winter part of the year, right? Like the late, late part of the year. So what if they experienced hypothermia? There's a thing people do when they have hypothermia. It's a survival instinct known as terminal burrowing Uh where they find a small remote place to huddle. Yeah. It gets them out of the wind and into enough warmth to like slow the process of freezing to death. But unfortunately, usually this instinct kicks in too late and the person ends up yeah. dying anyway. Right. <laughs> but now Terrifying. they've burrowed themselves into a small remote place, making it harder to be yeah. found. Yeah. A person could easily get lost, get cold, and then hide away in a cave up there and pass away. And then you can't find them. But it still seems like all these possibilities would just leave some trace behind. Like, I know. Like, what? Wouldn't there be bodies? Yeah. I mean, well,
2: now I'm going back to the theory of the rock that eats people. Maybe oh, well, I have just I have so something about people.
0: that too, actually. First, I wanted to say, the area we're talking about, it's this area surrounding Glastonbury Mountain. It has two ghost towns, more than 36 square miles of uninhabited land. Like, it's a lot of area to cover. Right. And a lot of densely wooded area. And we're talking about the 40s where they just may not have had the means to search it the way we would now. Yeah. But to get to kind of what you're talking about, the other possibility here is we know it was a mining community. Mm -hmm. And one article I read said the mountainside is littered with unmarked mine shafts. Oh. So if a person were to wander off the trail, they could easily fall in one. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then also, the mountains are also known for having numerous sinkholes, which is a nightmare. Yeah, for sure. And some people think that this is where the Abenaki legend about people being swallowed by a rock came from. Because that would make sense. So, could some of the missing hikers have fallen into an abandoned mine oh, or a sinkhole? Yeah, sure, like That would explain how they could be there one minute and gone the next. Yeah. And also why there's no trace of them. Yeah. The last thing I'm going to tell you here. Okay. Just in case you're thinking that unusual deaths on the mountain are a thing of the past. Nope. On September 17th, 2019... The remains of 43-year-old Jessica Hildenbrand, who is nicknamed Red. Guess why? Why? Because she had red hair, Kara. Oh, <gasps> Megan! How clever! How I mean, I wonder who thought that? of that. Jeez! Just the creativity. I'm just I like, can't. wow! I, I can't believe someone would. Wow! Wow! No one's ever called me that. Wow! Like nothing I rarely
2: ever hear that.
0: Nothing makes me more annoyed than when someone calls me red. Okay. <laughs> her remains were found in a gravel pit near the Somerset Reservoir. Oh. She had disappeared from New York a few months earlier.
2: Okay.
0: Now, Jessica had a boyfriend who lived in the Bennington area. And on her social media pages, she mentioned a quote, insane, toxic relationship. Oh no. Her death was ruled a homicide. And it remains unsolved. This one isn't really all that mysterious. I just wanted to mention it because it makes me mad. It makes me mad that people still get away with murder in this day and age. Her remains were discovered in 2019. It took about a year for her remains to be officially identified because they just found like skeletal pieces. Like the first thing they found was a jawbone. I don't know if they actually found her complete remains, but they found enough to be able to identify her. Oh, wow. She was officially identified 2020. Hopefully there's stuff going on behind the scenes in terms mm-hmm. of an investigation. From what I can tell, there haven't been any updates since her remains were identified. But okay, that's all I got. Cheers, right. I mean, is it the craziest story? It's got murder. It's got people who disappear. Right. It's got a guy who vanishes from a moving bus with witnesses around. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Bigfoot and then there's Native American folklore. And <laughs> I just can't. Oh, Mary, thank gosh. you for sending this story in. Yeah, that's wild. I lean towards they're not all as connected as you think. Like, I think Mitty and Paula Jean probably fell into a sinkhole or mine. Right. Yeah, for sure. And the guy, Tedford, probably Tedford. got got off at a bus stop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also, and,
2: wasn't he older? He was probably just disoriented.
0: Could have been. Just, I yeah. mean... But if he had gotten off the bus, like thinking it was the right stop, then he would have taken his stuff with him and he didn't. So that's why I'm like, well, maybe he just needed to pee. Like maybe he just, you know, I think Paul may have been kidnapped or, you know, uh (laughs) uh-huh. I mean, I I feel like you can probably explain all of them. I think uh in looking for a way for all of them to have the same explanation is probably what makes it tough to solve. Right. Right. But yeah. if you just took each individual case by itself, then it's like, well, here's what's the most likely explanation. Yeah. But it is awful that it's all happening in such a close area know. to the same community over and over again. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. Okay, that's all. Jeez, it's the craziest sir. story. You guys, if you would like to send us anything, you can email us at witchesmagicmurdermystery@gmail.com. at
2: gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or everything is in the show notes, too.
0: Yeah, that's the easiest way to do it. Mm-hmm. We love
2: you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.